Welcome to the Food, Family and Friends podcast, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. Now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. Hi, Wendy. So nice to have you at the studio. Thank you, Vanessa. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, so I just picked you up from the Waiheke Ferry, coming over from Waiheke, which was cool, and... um, you had to face the Auckland traffic for five minutes. It's not much fun out there. <laughs> Don't be. That's why I live on Waiheke. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. And we're in this cool podcast New Zealand studio. So welcome. So awesome to have you here. So I'm really excited about today. So let's get straight into it and talk about you. So you are Wendy Kendall and you're from Waiheke and you have this gorgeous product, Waiheke Herbs, which I absolutely love and I've used a lot in my cooking. So that's why I wanted to chat to you to hear your journey around food and and all about your product and where you're at in your life and what you love about it and, and why you've made your life all around food and, and this gorgeous vegetarian beautiful product that you produce. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to be here and I love what I do. So to get a chance to talk about it, it's just going to be really awesome. Cool. So take it away. Tell us a little bit about Waiheke Herbs first. Tell us a little bit about your product first. Well, um, uh, years ago, uh, as a hobby, I used to take um, workshops in herbalism and, n- you know, natural healing and things like that, where I was really interested in, back you, in the 80s. Did you, know. you take the workshops as in you ran them or you went to them? Went because to them. You went yeah, to yeah, them, yeah. yeah. So um, in between um, doing my um, training as a photolithographer, and not many people know what that is nowadays. No, you better explain what that is. Well, before they had computers, everything was done by hand when it came to needing anything printed. So you'd have the photographer take the photos, you'd have the typesetter type all the, set all the type, and then they would bring all that information to us. Then they'd lay it all out and we'd put it onto film and fiddle around with it like a deconstructed jigsaw puzzle until we came up with a film for the yellow, for the red, for the blue and for the black. And then we would use those films to make the printing plates. Wow. And they print one at a time. And so it was really, you know, it was quite an extensive uh, apprenticeship that you did and you worked through all the different departments and learned all about photography. And so that was, that was great. But in the meantime, I was always really interested in natural health. And so I would do, do um, you know, night school classes and weekend workshops to learn about iridology and homeopathy and aromatherapy and herbalism and, and nutrition. And I just found it was just fascinating and I loved it and I loved being able to use everything I learned to keep myself healthy. Then so then I went um, on a weekend workshop wild weed workshop on Waiheke Island. Oh, that sounds a bit dodgy. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, there was none of the illegal stuff in this particular workshop anyway. But anyway, so um, there was a bunch of women. We all went and um, were taken around the island and uh, shown all the places that we could um, gather various herbs and things like willow bark and um, nasturtium and... Um, mullen and then we took them all back and we made tinctures and ointments and salads and um, all sorts of things Um, and 
Um, I just got such a buzz from that workshop that I thought, wow, this is something I want to keep doing. And were you living on Waiheke at the time you did that workshop? I was visiting because my boyfriend lived there. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's a <laughs> lifelong connection there. Um, yeah, and it was so romantic and I was falling in love and, you know, like it was wonderful. So um, when I actually bought a section there in 1990 and... My, my boyfriend and I moved there, the one who I'd been falling in love with. Right. And we built a house and we raised um, three children and, and I had so many wild things growing in my backyard. I thought, well, it would be great to make a, use all these things to make a spread to, to feed my children because I know it'll just give them all these vitamins and minerals that I'd all learned about in the nutrition side of my herbal workshops. Mm-hmm. So I came up with... Um, we had, you know, parsley and sage and rosemary and nasturtium and dandelion and I threw it all in there and um, and the kids loved it. Parsley, they, they seemed to love parsley. They'd wander around the garden and just eat it straight off. So I thought, well, you know, kids no, mostly like parsley. And then I took this creation to a luncheon with girlfriends and they said, oh, well, what's this? And I said, well, it's Wanda's Weeds. <laughs> and they thought it was hilarious. Awesome. That was a great name. Yeah, and so um, they loved it and they said, oh, can you make me some more? I loved that and it gave me such a boost. I had so much energy from it and and so I made them some more and then they said, you should do it seriously. So I, I thought, okay, I'll do this seriously. And I spent a whole year, try, you know, experimenting with different herbs because I wanted to use herbs that grow all year round so that we could make it with fresh herbs every week. Right. Unlike a pesto, which, you know, basil's very seasonal and... Um, it goes, um, bruises very easily, so it looks dark. And you know, whereas mine with mostly parsley stayed nice and fresh and green. And and I wanted to use olive oil because I could see there was a, a growing olive oil industry on the island. And I thought we could make this product that's made from everything from Waiheke. All the herbs are grown there, the olive oil's made there. We could get apple cider vinegar, which is full of all these health benefits. And um, you know, we'd have this amazing product just mm. embodying, you know, the vigorous Waiheke. thing, Waiheke. So, and I t- finally locked my recipe down and I made, it took me all day to make 16 jars of herbs bread and and I took it to the market and I thought, I don't even know if anyone's going to buy it, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I got there late, which you could do in those days, like nine o'clock or something. Right. Kitchen was a mess. Husband's moaning. <laughs> Of course, because you've had to just walk out and leave it as it was. <laughs> and um, That's his job though, isn't it? To wash up after you. <laughs> Bless. It is now. Oh, that's too funny. I haven't met him yet and now he's not going to like me when I do. <laughs> and so I get to the market and almost every single person that tried it, their face would light up. They'd go, oh, yes, I'll get some of that four-year-old little girl wanted her parents to buy it for the, her an old drunk guy with his last $8 or something. And I thought, hey, people really like it. That's great. And so I did, did that every week. It took me all day to make my, my jars and I'd go and sell them. And, and so that was good. It was a really great place to test my product. It was I, a great pa- place to test your product, but it also sounds like what an amazing experience to be at the market and make those connections with people who liked it like you're talking about a four-year-old girl to an older guy who only had a bit of money left to probably just a regular everyday person who could afford it and just thought oh yeah that's nice how amazing to see the breadth of people that were inspired to want to buy your product yeah yeah and it was um and and um 
so the next thing I wanted to do is um, make come up with a brochure with all the herbs, and I had twelve different herbs that I'd chosen, and um, and with all the nutritional benefits of each um, herb, and um, and the traditional healing, you know, things that, that was they were usually used for. You know, for instance, rosemary is supposed to be good for your memory, and it's good for your circulation, and it has and it's antibacterial and anti fungal and you know all this sort of thing well I'm very excited to hear that because I did not know that and honestly I have like a completely overgrown garden of rosemary that my husband keeps thinking we just have to keep roasting lamb to keep up with the rosemary because it's kind of like a weed in Auckland it's amazing how well it grows so if that's good to know that we can just keep living off our rosemary. Yeah. It's got lots of good properties. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it'll, you'll have a memory like an elephant. <laughs> I'm not sure, but we'll try. <laughs> yeah, and so um, so I took the product to the to the shops, and of course, but if you're going to sell it through retailers, you have to have a commercial kitchen. So we organised a commercial kitchen. The retailers took it. It sold off the retail shop out of off the shelves at the retailer so I thought yes you know another tick and then my girlfriend says hey I just bought a lifestyle block you know um in the neighborhood you can grow all your herbs up there oh wow yeah so you weren't growing them at that point where were you getting your herbs from some from my garden and some from wild plots around I'd, I'd drive around the neighborhood to all these wild plots of nasturtium or you know, um, oh, what a story. That's so. such a Kiwi story, isn't it? <laughs> and, and it's such a Waiheke story. I yeah. love that. I totally love that. I can visualise you just sort of driving around and spotting on the side of the road some nasturtium and grabbing at it. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I established uh, these gardens on a uh, what had been a gorse-covered hillock surrounded by native bush. And we just dug the edges of the gardens around, you know, so um, edged them threw all the, the edgings into the middle and then piled up with horse manure and seaweed and, and mulch and um, then all the cuttings from my own garden and seeds from my own garden, uh, we just used that to to establish to the garden. To get started. Yeah, and they were about three, three metres wide and about 20 metres long, these gardens. And That's we started amazing. with one and then we did two more and then we did two more. So we've got five of these gardens now. And it's really lovely going up there every week or, you know, um, more often in spring, of course, when it's, you know, you're having to do all your weeding. And, and then we've got beehives up there now too. So that's latest hobby, which is really cool. And, and do you think with the bees, what are you thinking? Are you going to do a honey? Are you going to do an infused honey or you're just waiting to see and have a think about it? Oh, oh we just keep a Honeymead, actually. Most of it's been uh, turned into honeymead. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I'm thinking you could do like a rosemary-infused honey or yeah. with your lovely herbs. Yeah. Mm. So do you tend to the gardens yourself? Yeah, or we get friends and, you know, and my teenage sons have been quite handy up there. Okay, so how does your week look then if you're trying to produce your uh, spread? Do you still try to produce it weekly? Is it still fresh? Yep, yeah. Every Wednesday we gather up herbs. We've got um, organic growers in Auckland now because we've grown to such a size that we can't provide all the herbs in, right. from our gardens uh, because it's mostly parsley. We get um, organic parsley from Sunset Coast Organics in Waiuku and um, and then we get, for our regular blend, um, all the parsley comes all processed. 
Yep. So, yeah, it just, you know, we're going through 30 to 50 kilos of parsley a week. Oh, my goodness. That's insane. So you started making 16 jars and that took you a day. How many jars are you making now on a Wednesday? We or which day do you produce? Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, go into the, we get everything already on a Wednesday, pick all the herbs, it's nice and fresh. We go in on Thursday and we just churn out as much as we can, me and my, my team. So, yeah, up to about 800 jars. Oh my goodness, so you've grown from 16 jars to 800 jars. Yeah, in about 10 years. Nice and slowly, but, you know. <laughs> wow, Wendy, that's amazing. Yeah, people just seem to love it. And, you know, Nosh and Farrow have been amazing. They've come on board. Um, yeah, huge supporters. Yeah, we got into the first store when they started. And so when they expanded onto all their other stores, we, we expanded with them. That's amazing. And it's sold on the island as well, in the stores on the island. 800 jars, I'm just trying to even imagine how you do that in one day, um, and that's every week. Yeah. That's a lot of herbs. Mm. Wow. And have you have you changed from the original recipe? No, no, we've kept it exactly the same. Because people love it. Yeah, yeah, and that's something about the consistency of it, that people know what they're going to get. I mean, there's, you know, there's minor sort of seasonal differences where you know in the end of summer it's been dry there's probably a bit more flavor a bit more intensity in flavor and then through spring when there's a lot more water around it's probably a little bit more you know not as intense so I just love it I absolutely love adding it into all sorts of different things but essentially it's just fantastic to add into scrambled eggs or an omelet or something like that I just think it's so amazing yeah that's what I get from people they're like oh I love your herb spread it's so versatile I put on everything I personally I love it on mushrooms like mm. portobello mushrooms bit of herb spread um, and a little bit of camembert and then grill it amazing mm. it's so good for people who are listening who haven't tried it before and are maybe imagining that it's like a pesto. Can you just explain a little bit? Because there's nothing really like a pesto at all, is it? And it's it doesn't have garlic, which a lot of people are happy that you haven't put garlic in. So maybe just, yeah, just explain it a little bit, how it differs and sort of why you've chosen that way to go with it. Well, I wanted just the herbs. So, mm. and because they're all so good for you. So, it, it's, you know, like it's that, um, you know, let your food be your medicine mantra. Yeah. And... Um, and fresh herbs, so, you know, they're, they're full of all their vigour and antioxidants and, as they possibly can be. But, yeah, something really versatile, so, you, you know, you can have it on your crackers or you can have it on your meat and you can cook with it, throw a teaspoon into your soups or your stews. Mm. And it just adds mm. a little bit of extra flavour and nutrition and texture and colour, you know. So, um, and it's so, so it's mostly parsley. We have rosemary, sage, oregano, thyme. Then we the wild herbs we have are dandelion, um, nasturtium, the leaves and the flowers. So add a little bit of spicy; they're a little mm. bit radishy, and plantain, which is actually a grass, <coughs> slightly bitter. It smells like freshly cut cornfields. It's mm. lovely kind of summery um, aroma. Um, but that is um, has a um, substance like aloe vera in it, which is very soothing for your gut. So that's that's what that's there for, and then we've got um, petals from calendula flowers. So you get this mm-hmm. beautiful little flecks of the calendula, and um, and a few lavender flowers in there just for um, a, a nice sort of a bit of a sagey taste to it. So it makes it nice with meats and things like that. 
Um, and then it's just an olive oil base with apple cider vinegar, which is organic, and the New Zealand sea salt, also organic. Um, you can have it um, with garlic or without. So it's oh, a lot okay. Of, a lot of people don't want to have garlic, mm. so we've got a garlic-free option. And, yeah, that's just like that. Great shelf life. Just keep it in the fridge. looks nice and green forever. And yeah, That's yeah. what I've noticed. It does stay green. It's absolutely amazing. And it does have a really good long shelf life as well. Mm. But not that it lasts very long. <laughs> <laughs> no, you want to eat it as soon as possible. That's yeah. the problem. You keep on eating it all the time. <laughs> yeah, we get spoiled on herbs every day. We have it on crackers with avocado and tomato and a bit of feta and... Yeah, yeah, we get our dose. <laughs> so in the car from the ferry to here, we were chatting about your lifestyle, which just sounds so ideal. And it's funny, Wendy, because uh, before I lived in New Zealand, this time I lived in Saigon for five years. But before that, we had one year in New Zealand when I was traveling with my husband and he was posted here for a year. And the very first holiday we had, which I think was probably Easter, we came over to Waiheke and we went to the Waiheke Jazz Festival, which is going to be imminently on Waiheke Island again. And we stayed in Waiheke and I completely fell in love with it. I was just, this is where I need to buy a house. I don't, Italy just seemed like a really long <laughs> way away, which had always <laughs> been my dream. And I thought, oh, it looks like we're going to be down here in the Southern Hemisphere. This is it, Waiheke. It was so amazing. As soon as you step off the ferry... There is something about Waiheke Island. You just feel like you have gone to another place. It's hard to believe you've only been on a ferry for 50 minutes to yeah, get there. Yeah, and that's a great thing about Waiheke that, is that um, Auckland City is so nice and close. So you've got um, all these opportunities right on our doorstep without the traffic. Mm. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it is. It's, you know, I think most islands that I've been to that are quite close to a more populated city have a really a special feeling about them. There's a lot of diversity there with the people. Um, it's surrounded by beautiful beaches. It's there's a lot of it's very hilly and and a lot of bush pockets of bush. Mm. So almost every place has its own aspect, its own charm. I mean, <clears throat> years ago when we moved there in 1990, it was mostly solo mothers, people on the dole, retired people. Crazy people, musicians, artists. It was hilarious. The creative base of society. <laughs> yeah, and so and it still retains a little bit of that, you know, that real character. But we've got, um, I know, better quality of food, and um, you know, I think the higher socio-economic um, population has kind of improved the island to a certain extent. You don't have the issues, especially with. Um, drug abuse and that that we used to. <laughs> Isn't it, oh, that's so interesting that you say that because you know there'd probably be. I, I'd assume you've probably got strong opponents to that view on Waiheke of the sort of the steadfast. You know, it's a pity that people have come and brought their money and built these glossy houses and you know there's too many restaurants and there's the bit this, the main streets pretty busy. But I've seen it grow up just in the ten years that I've you know had the privilege of visiting as a visitor, and I think even coming in as a visitor and I can't speak from living there because I haven't had that fortune of, of being a resident on there. But coming as a visitor, it's great that it's grown up. It hasn't, I don't believe it has lost its charm. You can still find those really quiet, secluded spots and, and the little pockets. And you can choose whether you mm. go to the big glossy vineyard or something mm. a little bit more rustic. But I think the fact that the options are there for visitors is amazing because it means you keep going back. You don't go to Waiheke and think, I've done it. 
Mm. Um, what's the point of going back, you know, unless I'm just going to sit on the beach and yeah. kind of, there's still, there's still so much to see and do each time. Each time is a unique experience, I find, which is amazing. Yeah, and, but the really cool thing is that the growing wine and food industry there and um, all the vineyards that have popped up just since I've been there in the 1980s and, and some of the qualities of the wine is, is just fantastic. Sitting in the, the vineyard, eating this most amazing food, you know, a lot of the chefs use the local seasonal produce. Um, so there's great quality food and, and drinking wine that's been made from the vineyard that you're sitting in. That's, that's just such an, a beautiful experience. Yeah, it is a beautiful experience. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to be coming back again at Easter this year for the Jazz Festival. And it's a bit of a family favourite, mm-hmm. to be honest. So uh, we've encouraged another family to join us. So they are Waiheke lovers, but they've never been to the Jazz Festival. So we are actually coming to the first day of the Jazz Festival, which will be Good Friday. Uh, on at the estate which you can Rangano pronounce Rangahui yes, yeah. because I, but with my Australian accent trying to be <laughs> Kiwi uh, I always find that those names I don't quite pronounce correctly so that's actually where you do some of your production is that correct? Yeah yeah so um, uh, about five years ago um, we were really lucky to be able to move into Rangahua Estate to be able to produce our Waiheke herb spread. Um, we Pretty soon after we started producing it, Anne from um, the olive oil refinery, um, they, they operate there, um, she says, oh, you should be making your herb spread with our olive oil. And I said, yes, that's why I started making it. Perfect. <laughs> so we make a blend with their olive oil, which sells exclusively from their shop. And with the increase in tourism, the cruise boats coming in and more people come to the island, it's a great alternative to going and tasting wine. Once you get into the whole world of olive oil, it's just incredible. I, you know, I almost feel like, yeah, actually, am I on Waiheke or am I in the Mediterranean mm. somewhere, in some little beautiful coastal place in France or something? Um, yeah, they, they make four different types of olive oil. Um, and the type of olive oil is a bit like the grape. It depends on the type of grape, which um, creates the different types of oil. And they have a piquel, which is a Greek, Koroniki's uh, Greek, piquel's Spanish, um, and um, then they do a Waiheke blend with all the different varieties olives. that they have there of the olives from there. And, um, um, and there's one on a cunt think of right now that's all right (laughs) but the the, you know you get a different flavor when you when you first taste it some are more buttery some are more spicy some are green and grassy and then you at the end you get a finish you know like a peppery finish or you get Mm. a smooth finish you know just like a wine and so and you know we all know how amazing olive oil is for us and and oh I love it and I mean we have visited Italy a couple of times with the children and they are obsessed with olive oil and dipping the bread into olive oil and soaking it up and, mm. you know, then those really green ones that initially you're like, whoa, and then you've got that gorgeous peppery aftertaste. Like, yeah. Yes, that was gorgeous. That was like first press and amazing yeah. and I can't believe I got to taste it. Yeah, and so, um, you know, you, you really develop a taste mm. for really fresh, really green, really strong olive oil and it's amazing. A lot of people go, oh, I don't like olive oil. 
they come there and well you maybe you start with the buttery one so because yeah. I often I help in their tasting room sometimes if you need extra help extra help and um, I've run the odd tour here and there when they need help which is cool yeah you because know, we operate there we're all, there's a big family there you know all the all the girls that work from the tasting room and then me and all my crew making their herb spread and and um, harvest is coming up soon, so we'll have the massive machine going roar, roaring there, <laughs> churning I, I, up all of soon. So that'll be that's quite full on, but it's good. Yeah, I mean, you just make me want to reignited that desire to live there. I mean, I just love that whole collaborative feel of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's co-opetition. It's not about competing with each other and being mm-hmm. worried about whether that person's going to sell more than you're going to sell and why am I helping you and you don't help me. And it just doesn't sound like there's any of that. It's just all one big family trying to make it work for Waiheke and yeah. for your lifestyle that you love. Yeah, well, I mean, the islanders, there's about 8,000 people that live there permanently. It swells up to about 24,000 or more in um, holiday season. It's getting more popular all the time. Wow. And... Um, they even uh, most of the, um, the the industry there reported that there was almost no cut off last winter. That the tourist season pretty much went all the way through. Mm. So it is growing in popularity. Apparently, it was listed in um, Lonely Planet's top five places to visit recently. You know, so it's it's really um, making a lot of head, head you know headlines. Mm. as a destination and it is it's great it's great there's so many different things to experience there it's lovely especially at this time of the year beaches it's lovely exactly so um yeah no it's too small an island to compete with each other and i think um anyone with intelligence will make sure that whatever they do there is going to support and and um you know collaborate and or offer a point of difference to some to something that somebody else is doing there. yeah something complimentary mm. yeah that's fantastic and so Anne and I you know there's perfect complimentary business mm. and, and we've both been able to grow in together so so what are you going to do with your business we were talking about that earlier what do you do because you've got this gorgeous lifestyle and you're only needing to actually bottle your bottles uh <laughs> bottle your spread once a week and uh you've kind of got a really lovely weekly routine going but you know if you suddenly double the amount of bottles that are going out what how are you well that's what always are you the, going to do it's always the dilemma isn't it <laughs> do you go big and employ lots of people become a people manager mm. or do you keep it as a boutique business lifestyle yeah. business and I, I mean I'm the sort of person that like quite likes my lifestyle yeah fair <laughs> enough I don't really want to um end up having to work 24 7 or just manage a team of people doing all the things that I actually quite like doing love doing yeah so um you know we often people say well you know you could export and expand and everything and you know I I have various dreams, and one of them is that I'd like to set up herb spread hubs around the world. Mm, that's and, a great idea. Um, and go and stay in a different place for a few months and um, set up a herb spread hub in that place, you know, whether it be Italy or Australia or my girlfriend in America, she's looking for something different to do. And so she started going about setting up to finding out which herbs grow vigorously and it's quite hard some of where those, she is where she is I mean she lives it, it turns into snow through the winter so that it might be yeah. just a summertime thing for her to do but 
we know Where does she live out of interest? Mm. Vermont. Vermont, yeah. Because I was thinking when I lived in the States, I lived on Cape Cod and it was amazing during the summer. The spring and summer would have been extraordinary for making mm. things like that because the produce is fantastic and lots of organic. There's great organic uh, fruit and vegetable shops there and, yeah, it's, it's – just a minefield of fabulous produce but the problem is the winter it snows yeah and everything kind of shuts down and everything has to be brought in and Mm. it would be quite difficult but maybe it's a seasonal thing you know maybe you just do it in season and don't worry about it out of season we've we've used um instead of any preservatives we've used apple cider vinegar which is Mm. our natural preservative and so um we have a food safety program um, a national food safety program uh, that gets audited every two years now. We were given around an extension um, because we had no problems for so long. Um, but it is the acidity that keeps the product safe. Right. It's the temperature that keeps it fresh, like a fresh vegetable. Um, but so I've tried herb spreads that have been sitting around for nearly a year and although they're not as fresh and green anymore, they're still quite good for cooking. Or, mm. So um, I think in the old days, you know, before they had refrigeration, what did they use to preserve their, their food? Vinegar. They dried it, they salted it, they put in vinegar mm-hmm. or oil. Yeah, so I quite like the idea of carrying on some of those concepts mm, instead traditions. of using, you know, chemicals and... Refrigeration or whatever. I mean, you tick so many boxes. You haven't done it because you are following strictly a paleo diet, or you haven't done it because you're strictly vegan, or you haven't done it for any of those reasons. And yet, you're ticking so many boxes in today's world of where people are trying to make really healthy, sensible choices and be preservative free and buy seasonally and buy local. <laughs> so it's amazing because you've just done it through passion and love and you've come up with this product that mm. is sort of ticking all the current boxes. So that's amazing. So you must have a lot of people who are on that side of, of things, health food shops and... Yeah, yeah. All, the, all the organic shops have been really so supportive. Or, you know, Common Sense down in Wellington, they've got like five stores. Pico Hold Foods down in Christchurch, they sell loads. And, that you know, it's great to have that enthusiasm for pe- from people. We've been doing the Go Green shows mm-hmm. uh, and the Green Living shows too. And uh, they've been a wonderful platform to be able to <clears throat> meet our new, uh, existing customers and um, and and yeah, get new meet new customers as well. So um, and it's starting to be part of a movement of people that are making those choices for things that are better for the environment, better for themselves, supporting local industry, um, yeah, organic, all that sort of thing. Um, you know, so the Go Green shows they'll have electric bicycles and they'll have composting systems and. You know, and to, and it's a real buzz. You know, people want to be able to be making those choices um, for the planet. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, and for our futures, for our children. So, and is your husband? Is he into food? Is he a? Is he a foodie? He's and- a meat and potatoes man. Oh, that is so. <laughs> Funny. That is so funny. So, oh, it's so funny how many interviews I've had with women and I asked them, did you marry someone who is also foodie? And it's so rare that they say yes. And yeah, it's so funny. funny. Yeah. So he loves the herb spread because you do it. Does well, he get it? No, no. He no. never got it for years. He goes, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You know, who's going to buy a few weeds? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and now he puts the labels in our jar. But you know, he oh bless. 
Uh, he's a graphic designer, so oh, good on him. You know, and yeah. he when it got really busy and the kids were still at home, like um, you know, he was helping to keep the home fires burning while Mum was out doing trade shows and things. So. Yeah, oh, no, he's good. been supportive, so, yeah. Supportive, been, but, yeah, yeah, probably a little bit shell-shocked. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit like my husband. I mean, he just, you know, he eats food because you eat food to survive. Mm. And it's not that he doesn't appreciate good food. Um, and he, you know, through his work, he gets to go mm-hmm. to some pretty nice restaurants that I'm very envious of because I haven't eaten there. <laughs> but he wouldn't care if he didn't. And, you know, at the end of the day, a nice piece of meat and some vegetables nicely cooked and, you know, Good old roast potatoes. I mean, he would be totally happy to have crunchy roast potatoes with a nice, soft, fluffy... Every single Every night. day. <laughs> Every single We should get our day. husbands together. They'd probably get on really well. Oh, it's really... <laughs> even to the point that the boys say, Mum, please don't let him cook again this week because we just don't want any more potatoes. <laughs> Well, the younger two, my daughter's the oldest, and she left home first. And so then it was the two boys at home with their dad most, and he started getting into cooking. Because mm. he, he didn't, never really cooked. I think he grew up on um, takeaways before I met him, you know, or, you know, when he was a teenager. Yeah, so, sure. Um, no, no, so he got into cooking, and, um, and it was, he got really excited about it, and he was, like, downloading recipes off the internet, yep. and Swedish meatballs, and <laughs> doing it all properly, it. and it was great, and I'd get home, and... I'd sit down and there'd be a meal on the table and my glass of wine. And, oh, very oh, civilised. Yeah, no, he was, he was really awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. You yeah, know, mm. Tim has started to do that as well. And they do, they get quite excited. And, you know, I do the corporate team build events myself and that is what makes me so excited is when I get a group of guys come into the room and they're all kind of like arms folded and not really overly excited that this is what the team build person has you know chosen usually a PA or some internal um you know training person has has organized the event and they're like what are we doing here we just want to go out and drink a few wines with our (laughs) colleagues and sit around and now we have to cook with Vanessa and at the end the pride the pride that they've actually produced the meal they've produced and other people have enjoyed it and then they're like I can actually do this I can actually go home and produce a really really yummy meal and I actually had fun yeah yeah and yeah. entertain you know being entertained in yeah. a really positive way I think it's really exciting times you know these mm. days for, for men in the kitchen you know we've got so many great um, chef role models out there you know Jamie Oliver and yes you know the master chef these equal boys and girls out there doing it so you know food and cooking is for everybody yeah it's and definitely it's really turned exciting. a corner yeah. I totally agree and I I went and saw Jamie Oliver mm-hmm. on his very first tour to Australia you know years and years and years and years ago and someone a very foodie sort of person said to me you did what? You went and saw who? You know, he can't even really cook. And I remember thinking, oh, gosh, okay, well, maybe he isn't, you know, the most technically brilliant cook. And he, I guess in her eyes, she just, he'd sort of just flown in and done this show. To me, I had noted in the audience that it was 50-50 male, female, a lot of couples in the audience. And I thought, how extraordinary that this young man has come out from London Charged an absolute fortune, I might add, and we've all paid our money to go and see him. The place was packed and buzzing, and half of it was men. Wow, that's great. Oh, I just thought see? that that <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. You know, if it inspires mm-hmm. half of the people who are sitting here to go away and pick up a book and try to cook mm-hmm. when they wouldn't have before, 
oh, that who cares whether he's the top technical chef in the world or not? I mean, it's fantastically inspiring. I never saw my dad in the kitchen. It, no, my that dad was a is woman's now. place. Mine is now. <laughs> is he? But not. He wasn't when we grew up. Yeah, he definitely yeah. wasn't when we grew up. My dad's excited if my mum goes away because he can t- cook his own steak and potatoes. <laughs> With no vegetables. I hope he's got your herbs spread on those potatoes. <laughs> uh, I've actually started making an aioli with herbs, mm. and he really likes that. Oh, that's good. You know, so we're using free-range eggs, um, olive oil, not too much of that because it um, can make it split because it chill, it um, cools, solidifies when it's not a very low temperature. So, um, yeah, capers and mustard, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. People, and people are really liking that. And if, they, if they're not that keen on the herb spread, because it is um, quite a strong taste, flavour the herb spread. But you can add fit, that into mm, an yeah. aioli or a homemade mayonnaise anyway. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, so our beautiful creamy um, aioli, my dad loves that. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. He can put that on his potatoes. Yeah. Now, you've brought a book with you. Tell us a little bit about the book you've brought. Well, um, when you emailed me, one of the questions was, my favourite cookbook. cookbook. And I'm not really a cookbook sort of girl. I've probably got about three, and two of those were probably given to me for cruising. Really? Because I, um, I like making things up. Wow, you should have gone on MasterChef, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd need to brush on my technique. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, I was one of those children. If I had the choice of going out to play with all my all the kids in the street or stay and make a cake I'd always choose to bake a cake I loved baking my first memories are like watching the fudge boil you know yeah fantastic and then getting to lick the pot and I think it was being able to lick the pot which has probably mo- motivated me the most mm, of course most <laughs> of us I think as children being able to lick something yeah so yeah and cakes especially I just love baking cakes and biscuits and you know when I was growing up so um, that's my first memories of of my of loving food, and and also that both my mother and my grandmother, who lived around the block, had the most amazing gardens. You know, they had fruit trees, and there was peas and beans, and you know, mm, we grew amazing. just about we grew virtually all our fresh stuff, our own fresh produce. So I grew up with that. Mm. So that was always really inspiring. I wanted to do that when I got my own place. So you know, we've got an orchard now. I just been doing heaps of bottling. Wow. Pears and peaches and plums and jam and chutney and yeah, I oh, love doing yum. that. Yeah, and then I make nice pretty labels and you know. <laughs> oh, good on you! Very country. Yeah, that's very country. Very country. Like that's that. gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you think, oh my god, you know, I could buy it for a dollar from the supermarket and a tin, but it's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> You've made it with love. Yeah, and it looks so. And I, because I've you know, got all the jars for my who's through my business, so all the jars all look the same, and they've got gold lids. <laughs> oh, perfect, anyway. perfect. So anyway, this this um, the recipe book is Alison Holst's Meals Without Meat because I was vegetarian for about uh, 10 years from the age of 15 or 16 and I was starting to get into going to the Hare Krishna restaurant. and For $3 <laughs> for all you can eat, I did that too. Yeah, and I just loved all the, the curry flavours mm. and... Um, I loved the the halva that they did, and the you know the the, the desserts and the yogurt, and mm. it was so different to what my mum cooked at home. And um, so I decided that after one roast dinner, that coated the inside of myself with my mouth with dead animal <laughs> fat, 
I wasn't going to eat meat anymore. So, yeah, I got this book, and it's fantastic because it um, it tells you all about all the different types of beans. And there's recipes wow. for all these different types of beans that you know how to prepare them, to soak them, and sprout them, and um, so there's soups, and you can make um, falafels and all sorts of things. And, and yet it's so old. When was that published? It looks like it's from the 80s. Do you yeah. think it's probably from the 80s? Yeah, I'd say that she probably wrote it in the late mm. 1880s and it's published 1990 or something. So Amazing, isn't it? Um, soy milk, how to make soy milk, how to make beer, um, how to make bread. Wow. And, I and um, of course, the carrot cake recipe is the... The, the, the pages are permanently stained with... You and know. stuck together to the <laughs> other page. <laughs> I've got ones like that too. <laughs> you know which is the favourite recipe because you can't open it anymore and half of it's stuck yeah, to the page yeah. on the opposite side. <laughs> and um, I found those um, Perspex recipe mm-hmm. book holders really good. You know, yep, you know. same. Um, so... And the zucchini chocolate cake. Oh, yum. I love zucchini cake. My yeah. mum used to make zucchini cake. Yeah. Amazing. We didn't put chocolate in it, but it was still a really good cake. Right. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's been my favourite book. I just oh, had everything awesome. in it. I use it so much. It's lovely that it's yeah. Alison Holst because she's had the most extraordinary, you know, influence in New Zealand mm. with her cuisine. Uh, and, um, you know, it must have been amazing for her in the last few years for her to see, like a cookbook like that that she's written in the 80s is really what everyone's aspiring to go back to now, isn't it? Yeah. Baking their own things, trying to make their own soy milk, trying to go back to the simple and the fresh. And and really that book could almost be republished with a more funky modern <laughs> take to it and everyone would be rushing out to buy it. Yeah, so. yeah I mean... I, you know, I quite like this. Uh, everyone's into raw food and mm. and that sort of thing. And and the, one of the the latest cookbooks that I've looked through that I just loved was a little bird. Yes. And the photography and the mm. way that it's all shot in the garden and things beautiful. like that. I just uh, you know it's beautiful that there's so many people that are going back to that sort of way of eating and cooking. Um, you know, but in the winter, I you know, it's nothing better than a hearty stew, really. So. I know. See, I love the slow cooking of the winter yeah. as well. So I don't think you could eat for the seasons. So. I think you do too. And it sounds like you're all about balance and appreciating everything for, you know, you're quite happy to talk about a chocolate zucchini cake. And then the next sentence is about raw. So good on you. <laughs> I, I tend to agree. And I, I'm probably not as, well, I haven't had the same background as you in learning about you know, the health benefits of herbs and things. Just in general, I tend to have, you know, lived a very balanced way with my food uh, in, in the choices that I've made. And that's just been fortuitous and luck probably. Um, <laughs> and having, a you know, a grandmother and a mother who cooked beautiful, yummy home-cooked food. So I've always done home-cooked food, mm, not mm. packeted food. But it hasn't been sort of having to really conscientiously think about it. It's just the way that I've lived my life is, is always loving to cook. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but, trying, um, yeah. trying new things. I mean, trying I, new things. Yeah, I mean, I we I remember you know talking about Vietnamese, you know, mm. and, and and so interesting that you lived there for five years and and studied the cuisine there. It must have been a really fascinating time in your life. It was amazing, and it was really really fresh and a lot of raw, you know, simple ingredients and ingredients from the land. And it's actually a really amazing cuisine, and you would love it because it's full of fresh herbs. You know, it's just right, every yeah. coriander, Vietnamese, yeah, coriander, yeah, Thai basil, mint. Vietnamese mint, yeah. everywhere, and to be piled into everything fresh, not cooked. 
Yeah. You know, so everything's really green and fresh and lovely. So have you been to Vietnam? No, no. Oh, no. you'll have to put that on your agenda <laughs> when you're allowed to get away from Waiheke Island. Do they do the, the barbecue? The, mm. Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah, because um, my brother went to Korea, which I guess is getting close. Yeah, and when he came close. back, he, he took us all to the Korean barbecue. And, you know, you have that, that cooking thing in the mm. middle. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? And then you throw all your meat on it and then you throw all your, you know, your vegetables and then you drink soup at the end. And exactly. it was so delicious. It's amazing, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, we could talk for hours, Wendy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to finish off, it's just been such an insightful chat and I've learned lots about you that I didn't know before. So thank you so much. It's just been so gorgeous. But to finish off, we're just going to do a fun little either or question quiz. Okay. So you don't have to think too much about it. It's just like answer <laughs> what the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. So if you were to choose, would you eat parmesan or cheddar? Oh, parmesan. Crackers or bread? Crackers. <laughs> Granola or muesli? Mm, muesli. Sorbet or ice cream? Sorbet. Dried fruit or nuts? Mm, dried fruit. Cucumber or pickles? Pickles. Boil or steam? Mm, steam. Use a processor or a mandolin? Oh, a processor. <laughs> Why is the mandolin just all too hard? <laughs> Metal or silicon? For utensils? Uh, metal. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you use any silicon? No, I haven't really gone to, because I don't use a microwave. Right. Um, I only use my oven yep. and um, and gas. And on the stovetop, you haven't sort of switched to silicon uh, spoons and things like that? No, no, because no. I, I just have a good, you know, good stainless steel. Mm. I really like my stainless steel yeah. with copper and... Okay. You know, you can yeah. scrub it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and breakfast or dinner? Mm. Ooh, I have to do both. <laughs> you have to do both? Awesome, awesome. So you do like your breakfast. <laughs> yeah, some people are like, no, I don't do breakfast. I just do coffee in the morning. Uh, yeah, I've oh, got my little do. routine, my herbal tea, and then I have my, my you know, fruit and then I have my muesli mm, <laughs> sounds good sounds good hey thank you so much for coming all the way from Waheke on a ferry to oh. meet us here at uh, New Zealand Podcast it's just been so awesome to oh, talk to it's, you it's so awesome yeah. thank you so much Vanessa you're, you really inspire me oh well, and... you inspire me <laughs> I'm, I'm going away to do a bit more research I feel like I haven't haven't got a good enough grip on health properties of food so you've inspired me to go and do mm. a bit more research well like gardening and like Music and a bunch of other things. I think, you know, food is something that we can learn about till the day we die. Oh, you totally. Know? And it's always exciting and interesting. And, you know, um, being able to inspire somebody through their experience of, of taste, you know, that's mm. why I love being in the food industry. Yeah, totally. Mm. Well, look, thank you so much. Everybody can look out for your Waiheke herbs, which are in Farrow and Nosh in Auckland. Herb spread. Herb spread, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Well, I just call it Waiheke herbs because <laughs> that's what it is to me. But yeah, yep. herb spread. And uh, obviously on Waiheke Island. And mm, yep. if you're from overseas listening, then you need to get on an aeroplane and come and visit Waiheke Island itself because you certainly won't be disappointed. Yeah. Go to catch the ferry from downtown and um, yeah, there's endless exciting things to mm. see and do and taste over there. Exactly. Yep. Fantastic. Right. Thanks again, Wendy. Thanks, Vanessa. Food, Family and Friends Podcast proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com